that their play on the field put them toward the back of the line. Kaiser doesn't see him. Ball is out. There always seems to be one team further behind. All right, gang, welcome to the Brown Notes podcast, where we let them rip on the Cleveland Browns. My name is Scott. And this is Rico. Scott, you're back from your Black Ops mission. I'm glad you made it back in one piece. Welcome back. Thanks, man. Um, What's going on? Um, Well, when you were off saving the world we had a, we we were riding a two game winning streak um but alas uh the browns you know as we say water finds its own level well the browns water found its own level and they they once again looked like they've looked all year against the cincinnati bengals so we're right back where we were before the false two game winning streak um and now i think we've got a lot of questions that are going to probably need answering coming up don't you think yeah i mean it's going to be how many games are there left four um four games and we have nothing to play for uh well a point zero as of this podcast a point zero four chance of making the playoffs i believe uh um so, for all intents and purposes, they're playing for they're playing for their paychecks next year, and uh, maybe a coach. I don't know if he's been given assurances, but I guess I would assume he's he's coaching for his future in Cleveland. For his future, Scott. Should Kevin Stefanski keep his job after this year? Should we talk about that? Yeah, we probably should. I mean, it is kind of the big elephant in the room right now, right? Yeah, it's the hot button. Yeah. Um, what do you... All right, so here's my first question to you. How much, in your opinion... I want to kind of start slow and work our way up here. How much, in your opinion, do the next four games matter a, a lot, a little, medium, not at all. Um, I think they matter for Deshaun Watson. Otherwise, look, I don't. I don't think they matter for anyone else on the roster. Agree. They, on the roster, I agree. I think any kind of decision that is going to be made with the roster has nothing to do with the next four games. I totally agree with you on that. Um, I don't know if it matters for Kevin. I suppose if like, if they lost out, 
And that would be what? That would give them 12 losses, right? Is that uh, right? Um, if they lost out, they would have 12 losses. Yeah. So that would be pretty fucking bad. Um, <laughs> so that would be less than average. That, that would be, be less very than much average. Below average. So I think yeah. that would probably be, you know, not good. It would be hard to imagine yeah. a coach keeping their job. But I don't know what the expectations were for the season, you know. Well, let me let me true. ask you this. Let me yeah. just all right. Let's just think about let's just try to take off our Browns fandom for a second. All right. Let's think like we're uh Arizona Cardinals fans. You want have you ever can you uh, here I go. I'm talking in apps. I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Let her rip and then we'll edit the question if we need to. All right. So the Browns had they played eleven games yeah. and they had an offense that was ranked what in the league? Uh top ten. A top ten offense in the league. Yeah. After eleven games. Correct. And The offense was not the reason why they were losing games. Would you say that is a fair I, statement? I would say that's more than a fair statement. I would say that that would be a very accurate statement that of the eight losses, maybe one or two of them were offense-related. Most of them are defense and special teams. Agreed. So can you think of an instance where a top 10 offense – would change its quarterback 11 games into the season um to a guy who hadn't played in 2 years well let's see yes if i think if i take my browns fandom off for a second i would say i'm trying to think of this as rationally as possible so after 11 games they were what Four, what was their record after 11 games? Four and seven? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's right. Four, four and seven? Yeah. So they're four and seven after 11 games. Making the playoffs would have been extremely difficult because the trend for those first 11 games was that the defense is shit this year and a top 10 offense is still netting them four wins out of 11 games. So I would say from a rational perspective, I would say, listen, if I'm, if I'm the Browns keg coach or maybe the GM, I'd be like, okay, um, it's their records. We're four and seven in spite of a, in spite of the fact that we have a top 10 offense, our $230 million man is coming back and he's going to look like shit and he's not going to get, He's not going to be himself in enough time to net enough wins. And the guy that's quarterback now who has, who has brought us to a top 10 standing is not doing enough to make up for the shit defense. So the trend, they're trending towards not making the playoffs, and it's not because of the offense, so you may as well get your $230 million guy ready for next year. I guess what I'm trying to – I guess what I'm trying to say is can you because you're talking about ultimately evaluating Kevin Stefanski. So correct. 
Can you make a good faith argument that the season was ever about winning? Ever? If after 11 games, because now the offense can't score at all. Okay, so you went from having a top 10 offense to one that now has no running game, no offensive line, can't score a touchdown. Now you've got nothing. So now your defense is bad and you've completely neutered the offense. So now now you're really fucked. So what was the season really about ever? Can you make the state? Can we just? That's the biggest question. Can you judge? Can you judge? You're talking about firing somebody. We're not talking about tiddlywinks here. We're talking about firing someone from their job. So can you fire them if the season maybe never, ever was about winning ever? Agree. What the, the biggest question is, or maybe let me rephrase that. The biggest question became, is this year about winning? No. Once the 11 games came down, everything shifted. If it was only if, if it was only like six games, then you could have totally salvaged this. You can you, you had a better chance of salvaging the season, but that's neither here nor there now. Once it became eleven games, you were only going to have Deshaun Watson back for the last six games, and so then it became we've got Deshaun locked up for five years, and we need to know asap if him and Kevin Stefanski can work. Can Kevin Stefanski? maximize his talent and can they work together are you saying but it's not a but you can't say it's a six game audition because your offensive line is obliterated okay yeah you're not he's not playing with the same and you're playing in meaningless games which means you're going to get you know reduced effort from potentially from stakeholders on the team so it's not even like a it's not even a clean audition at this point it's just about getting him reps it's effectively just preseason in my opinion it's like i'm just trying to if the question is you're going to fire kevin stefanski i guess i'm just saying i don't see how you can and be fair now if you just want to be knee jerk or if it's just a gut feeling thing then i guess you can but i don't know how you can be fair and fire him because Um, the season has clearly never been about winning. If the season was about winning back when the suspension went down, they would have moved heaven and earth to get a different quarterback. They wouldn't have gone into the season with Jacoby Brissett, even though the offense ended up being top 10, even though he ultimately ended up playing well, but to your own point at the end of the day, he wasn't playing so well to overcome the ineptitudes in other areas of the team, defense, special teams. He could only get you so far. They never went for grapes. You know, there were things they could have done. If there was a sure sense of urgency about winning, about maximizing the talent on the roster and not letting it go to waste, that urgency, not there. They were like, okay, we'll ride out this Jacoby Brissett thing. And then when we get Deshaun Watson back, I don't know. These are smart, like Ivy League guys. They had to know that there would be rust more so than I knew as a dopey fan who thought he'd come out and play well after a quarter. You know, these guys had to know that there was going to be rust. They had to. Well, let's run with let's run with what you just said for a second. But does that make sense, though? So if they know, if they know there's rust, okay, 
and they make no effort to bring in a better quarterback at the start of the season when you have the suspension. And they're effectively just saying, we're playing for 23. Okay. And you're saying that back in August. Yeah. So let's run with that for a sec. So on the... On the surface, if you look at the first, even even now, the first 12 or 13 games, if you judge Kevin Stefanski as an offensive coordinator, I mean, you know, we don't know what goes on in the building. We don't know what they talk about. But uh, at, at from what we're all seeing on television, he produced a top 10 offense with a backup quarterback. I don't I don't think there's there's there can be, you know, logic. There, there can't be very much doubt as to whether or not he's good at designing an offense. He's he's very good at that. But at face value, they lost eight games this year so far that probably should have only been maybe three games or so. So my question is, everybody at face value, it looks like, let's forget about the audition with him and Deshaun. Let's look at the other other stuff that that what is, what is a head coach a head coach is somebody that manages a game that makes in-game adjustments that inspires players to want to play harder than they think they can play and I personally saw a complete lack of inspiration all year so is it because he's not capable of being a leader or is it what you said are the troops not inspired and is he not making the right game in game adjustments because they've all cashed it in and are waiting for next year? You see what I'm saying? Do you understand my question? Well, I Am think I, I do, that? but I, I think you can look at that one of two ways. One, you know, you can say, well, they cashed their chips when the suspension went down. And then to your point, well, it's his job as a head coach to inspire and motivate whether the chips are cashed or not, you know? Um, I don't know, man. I think the organization sets an expectation through their actions. Okay. And when have the Browns in the last, when have they acted with any urgency about winning? You can even look at the Jimmy Haslam era, like as a total, when have they ever acted with urgency about winning? Even with Mike Pettin, when they were seven and four with Brian Hoyer, they pulled the switcheroo and went to Johnny Manziel because it was about other agendas. It was never winning. The winning was never the thing, and it never has been the thing with this team. It's always about other agendas. And Jimmy Haslam said, we got to play Johnny Manziel and torpedo to seven and four team. This team's never had urgency about it. We we were lackadaisical and laissez-faire about 0-16, 1-15. We're just collecting picks, man, however long it takes, right? And now you're going into year seven of Miles Garrett's career. What was last year? Was last year ever about winning? No, it was about evaluating Baker Mayfield. It was about his contract. That's all the season was about. We we played a hurt quarterback the entire year to diminish his value and get him the hell off the team. (laughs) So I saw, so to piggyback off of what you're saying, let me ask you this. And I saw this on online and it kind of stuck with me. So what was ultimately let's just group the browns together as a unit for a second um what was what do you think the browns motivation was for getting deshaun in the first place was that about winning 
or was that about Jimmy Haslam leveraging Deshaun Watson to be able to develop the lakefront and to get and to get buy-in for a lakefront development? Because I saw that and it kind of stuck with me. Yeah, I saw the same thing, and I think that I think that I have a hard time believing that the Deshaun Watson move was purely a Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski endeavor. Not sent, not implying that they wanted to stick with Baker Mayfield, but I have a hard time believing that. For one thing, I think it's tough for any general manager to give up three consecutive years of number of first round draft picks. Agreed. So I think you know Andrew Barry is going to be judged on who he drafts, and right now it's going to be very difficult for him to have an impressive resume when they're always picking outside the first round. Um, right. Though. I, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me from a Paul D. Podesta. Remember, they had a chance to draft. They could have just turned in the card and taken Deshaun Watson the year they drafted Corey Coleman. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, and Paul D. Podesta and Andrew Barry were both a part of that front office. So, so then why didn't they? Right. So, I mean. Exactly. So, I have a hard time believing that that Deshaun Watson being here is purely a, a move from coming from those guys. Um, and I just don't see too. Okay. Let's think about this out of these names, Jimmy Haslam, Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, who has the most time potentially with the Cleveland Browns out of those names. Um, besides the owner, they're deep. No, I'm including right? the owner who has the most time. Oh, well, the owner, obviously. The owner, yes. My point being is that when when GMs make moves and when coaches make moves, it's typically with a sense of urgency because they could lose their job if the team doesn't perform. Even Hugh Jackson, when they were tanking, Hugh wanted to win, and Hugh was trying to sneak in trade cards for A.J. McCarron because he (laughs) wanted to win because it would be his leggacy, his job. Yeah. And that right. record has become his legacy. So That's coaches right. care. Even when even when organizations decide to tank, players mm-hmm. and coaches are still trying to win. And so it's hard for me to believe that those guys would buy into a move that sacrifices a year of their professional careers, which is what this move did. So does that make sense? Well, it totally makes sense. So what you're suggesting is this whole sh- – this- this whole big shenanigans that's been happening this year was all a Jimmy Haslam play and everybody else is just forced to go along with it. Right. Yeah. And they were also forced to make do the press conferences for it while Jimmy wasn't even in the country. They were forced to carry the water and go through all the awkwardness of it. So, you know, so I guess should Kevin Stefanski be fired? Well, I think that there's a message that was sent from the organization. And I think it's what frustrates guys like Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb is that they believe that this team was on the cusp of winning. And since 2020, the team has acted with no urgency whatsoever. It's acted with this weird kind of like we have all the time in the world. They pissed away last year. We None of us could figure out why they were playing Baker Mayfield. None of us could. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously, but at the time, agree. We're like, what the hell is going on? Nobody knew. Nobody understood what they were trying to do. But in the meantime, but they played a hurt quarterback the entire yeah. season, and yeah. all of us could see that. 
He was the worst quarterback in the league. You couldn't yep. tell me that Casey, what was kid kid's name? Uh, Keenum couldn't Casey have done Keenum. a little better than 29th in the league. Well, I mean, again, it wasn't about winning. And ever since, ever since 2020, it's never been, it's been about agendas, other stuff. And, you know, Jason Lloyd says on, uh, I've heard him say on Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show multiple times that the players in the building say this, is that the reason why we won in 2020 is because there were no distractions, meaning Jimmy Haslam wasn't allowed in Berea. They could just and run they, the show. Exactly. And this year you have his grandkids on the sideline of football games that are on camera. It's it's um, and, and not only Jason Lloyd, but... Aditi, Kinkawala, and Jay Crawford, all three of them have all said the same thing, that it's just shitty ownership, and that's really the cause of all of this, is just the Haslam's are just pooping all over Berea, and it's just a mess because of them. So I think I think Kevin Stefanski, I think you make an argument for replacing him based on player performance. Um, you know, are they as tight as they should be? You know, have there been mistakes? Yeah. I mean, and probably he probably needs to be paired up with like elite level coordinators who are ex head coaches to kind of balance it out. He probably needs to give up the play calling. Um, you know, how do we know? How do we know if he's a guy who can be the CEO on the sidelines that can? that can manage the coordinators that can be a leader that can be that guy. How do we know? How do we know that? I mean, what, what I, what the, the, the fear is, is we go through the rest of the season, everybody cashed this season. And once they found out it was 11 games, fine. But now you're going into next year after two years of, uninspired underachieving football and now what what happens if you're halfway into next year you're in year two of deshaun watson's ginormous contract and then you decide that kevin stefanski just isn't the guy now you've wasted a third year of everybody's productive careers and then probably a fourth one after that because now you got to break in a new coach and so now you're now you're into year four of Deshaun Watson's contract before you start to get your traction again. How do you how do you how do you deal with that right now? So, I guess. So what you're saying is that the three years of Kevin Stefanski, regardless of whatever circumstances might be going on around it, is enough of a sample size, and you feel like the team would be better served looking elsewhere for coaching leadership. Um. I, I I would say I want to see what happens in these next four games, but didn't we always say when the coaching when the coaching office here was a revolving door, this wasn't the the big message. You got to give your head coach three years, and you're not going to really know until after at least the third year, right? Isn't that what everybody yeah. used to always preach? I think we heard that a lot. Yeah. So how much is that's the and I guess that's my biggest question here is. How much time is enough time? How do we know when it's enough time? You know what I mean? How do we know? He, there's a pattern of uninspired football with a lack of leadership. There's a, there is a profound pattern of that right now. What's causing it? I don't know. 
is he responsible for it? I don't know, but how long do we wait to find out if it's him or not is what I don't have the answer to. Well, they could have um they could have been more proactive in moving on from Prefer and Woods earlier in the season. And then at least you would have got to see, you know, if a new voice made a difference in those micro kind of areas of the team, you know, which might have given you a little bit more information. Um I don't know, man. I'm I, I'm really torn on it because a part of me is like, you know what? They've blown some games they shouldn't have blown. They're just not tight, and so they don't look particularly well coached, and that should be enough, right? I mean, you're the coach, and so if the team is not looking particularly well coached, then it's time to move on. But another part of me is like, you know, the guy's been pretty good at making, you know, making lemonade out of lemons here with some with some shit quarterbacks and you know um i do think he's a smart guy and so it's like i and i think they're all bright guys but i think that um you know a part of me is just like this thing will probably take root if we're just a little more patient and just give it a little bit more time now that he's got a legit quarterback once we see him i kind of want to see kevin stefanski and his offensive brain with a non-rusty deshaun watson i kind of want to see that you know i mean um, i do too um i guess the thing that confuses me if if what you're saying is true that they all just kind of maybe unconsciously or maybe profoundly just decided to cash this season in once they found out it was 11 games. But then if that were really, really true, how do we account for then? Because everybody thought of the three phases of this football team, everybody thought that the offense was going to be the worst and they turned out to be the best of the three by a lot. So if, everybody including the head coach just kind of unconsciously cashed in that how do we account for the fact that the offenses look pretty fucking good this year and they're the ones that should have looked the worst and if you're cashing it in you would think that it's consistent among all three phases that everybody just kind of cashed it in but you're not seeing that on the offense but you are seeing that on the defense at least and even special teams to a certain degree so that's one thing that confuses me in all this well, I think the special teams have been bad for a long time, so let's just set that aside. I mean, yeah. they were bad under the previous co- – I mean, prefers a holdover from, I think, Kitchens. So, um, At least, yeah. Yeah, yeah so sure. the special teams has been bad for a while. But if you think about the defense, I think the def- I think it was the perfect storm for the defense. One, the defense was built to stop the pass – and the league made an effort to return to the run this year, which exposed some of the flaws in how they've constructed the team. And so all of a sudden, you know, our defensive line is completely ineffectual. Linebackers are teeny tiny. Um, This idea of kind of speed first wasn't cutting the mustard, and teams are just gashing us on the ground at like a historic clip. So I think it was like, you know, there and there really isn't a hell of a lot they can do about that because it's kind of like how the defense was built, right? It was like a philosophical they they made a philosophical decision in how they would build the defense. And because the league pivoted, it was exposed in a really, really bad way as being um, you know, ill-advised to be polite. And so that and in there goes the season because the offense played well enough to win. And when the defense couldn't stop anyone and was just getting gashed, you were done. I mean, that was the season. I mean, 
<laughs> so, so, so back from that. It so it, it like, comes down to me. It comes because Joe Woods coached well last year. Okay. But the team, yeah. but the league was throwing last year. Okay. Right. So to me, it was more of a philosophical thing as the team made a, an organizational philosophical decision in terms of how they would construct the roster and they got burned on it. Well, and to go along with what you're, what you just said, what, what team, what, what's the, what two games were the defense's best two performances this year? Oh, uh, well, the one was against Cincinnati. And the um, other one was against Cincinnati, in my opinion. I mean, other than, the, you know, the second half when they the kind of Monday night game, was, it, was it Monday, the, the Halloween game, a Monday night game? They, they played yep. well in that game. Yep. And so, and the, and that, and the reason why I'm saying that is because of all the teams they've played, Cincinnati, their, their offensive philosophy is the most like how everybody was playing last year, right? Right. And so that's why Cleveland has had the, the best games against Cincinnati. So to your point, it sounds like the the defense went left, the league went right, and it just happens to be bad timing with the 11 games, and it appears as if everybody's just casting it in when they're just getting gassed because everybody's adjusting. So it just wound up being bad timing. Yeah, I mean, I kind of do attribute it to that. I mean, it's like it's not what people want to hear because people want to fire somebody or they want accountability or they want like, you know, some kind of something to put their finger at. But sometimes it's just like, I mean, if you want to point your finger at anybody, I guess point your finger at if it was Barry D Podesta and Kevin Stefanski who looked at the league and said, okay, this is how we need to construct a defense. And they were all in concert making these decisions. And this is what they did and it burn them, then those guys are accountable because it, to me, it's a personnel thing. I mean, we've seen Joe Woods coach an effective defense. We've seen it. It happened yeah. as recently yeah. as last year. Top so, 10 I mean, defense and I'm not defending year. Joe. I'm not, I don't care. I mean, if Joe Woods loses his job, I mean, you know, okay, whatever. But I mean, yeah. but I'm just saying it's like the idea we've been out for blood for certain people. And it's like, maybe the roster just isn't, <laughs> You know, it's a little bit like when you're, when you're trying to win games, when you're, uh, you know, whenever your roster is like, oh, and 16 caliber, you're just not going to win. And I think right. they were just getting trucked, you know? Yeah, true. Do you think, do you think that Alex Van Pelt should be calling the plays next year? And do you, and I'm not going to ask you, do you think it's going to happen? Because maybe we asked that in a few, like a few games for now but right now with four games left do you think that he should give up play calling for next year right now i would say because the relationship between kevin and deshaun needs to develop it's probably going to happen it's probably going to be better if kevin's calling the plays to help that relationship along um would I like to see Kevin just kind of like watch the game and not his Denny's menu next year? Yeah, I would like to see him just watching the game. That way, if you know he he could maybe say, "Hey, maybe we should uh, get somebody on," you know, maybe double up Chase. You know, maybe just watch the game, right? Or hey, we've got Farrell Brown out there instead of Harrison Bryant on that fourth and one. That's the wrong personnel. Let's call a timeout. 
instead of just running the play anyways. Right. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I mean, that's not all of it, but that's the little things that add up to losses. Yeah. When you're so focused on and you've got 87 analytics guys and Alex Van Pelt in your ear trying to come up with the next play, then you have no idea what's going on. Yep. And then you don't know it until after the fact. But yeah, I I think to see him kind of take more of a CEO role and actually watch the game and be more plugged into kind of the nuance of the game, I would like to see that. But for the remainder of the season, I think I just want to see him and Deshaun Watson kind of joined at the hip and, you know, building that relationship. Assuming Kevin's back next year. I mean, if they if they lose out, I think there's a good chance he's fired. You know, I mean, if they lose out, does, wouldn't he have to be? I think, yeah. I mean, I think, but I mean, I can't. I can't predict what Jimmy Haslam will do. I mean, he I counts mean, Hugh Jackson. I mean, I can't. He might have it. He exactly. You don't know one minute. For, I mean, he could already have it in his head that he's fired, or he could have it in his head that he'll be here for five more years. Yeah. Nobody freaking knows what he's thinking. Or I he could be on he, a plane right now, meeting with. You know, freaking Harbaugh or something. Who knows? Or but. McVeigh, or, or not McVeigh, but uh, or um, what's his face from the New Orleans? What the hell's that dude's name? Peyton. Sean Payton, right? Yeah. He could be. He could already be talking to his agents. Who freaking knows? But I, as of right now, with four games left, I agree with you. Him and Deshaun should be attached to the hip to see what what that looks like the next four games. And if Kevin Stefanski is back next year, if I'm Jimmy Haslam. I say, I want you to be the CEO of the sidelines. Alex Van Pelt's going to call the plays. You're going to oversee all three phases and not just the offense. If you if you're okay with that, then you can come back and be the head coach. I would bring him, I would bring him back, but he would have to he would have to give up play calling in my as of right now with four games left. Yeah, maybe my opinion changes in four games, but right now. He's got to give up play calling at least and oversee the entire game in all three phases, right? Yeah. 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 Is that my answer? So what am I saying? Am I firing Kevin Stefanski? I think I think you're not firing Kevin Stefanski. And I'm saying that I'm more leaning towards firing him than you are, but I'm not a hundred percent on that because I want to see what happens the rest of the year and is he willing to give up play calling if he's not willing to give up play calling then i think he can't come back i mean that's got to be a non-negotiable for me mm. he ain't gonna do it no i don't think he's gonna either <laughs> all right king let's wrap it up man i'm depressed yeah, me too i gotta go get in the fetal position in the corner and cry myself to sleep all right man go browns go browns i guess Cleveland Browns, all day, all night.